Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I'm so excited you're here. So today is July 5th. Yesterday was July 4th. And last night we had a big lunar eclipse. And that eclipse woke me up and said, hey, record an episode with Tina. So Tina Olson and I have known each other for a couple years. And we now are at the point where we talk every single day, multiple times a day. She's my work wife, soul sister, partner in life in so many ways. Um, I am so incredibly grateful for this woman, for her wisdom, for her everything. And I'm so excited to share her with you again. This is the third time Tina's been on the podcast. If you want to learn more about Tina, go listen to one of the previous episodes. We will link those in the show notes. Today, I wanted to bring her on to talk about, uh, I'm going to call it 2020 vision, to talk about 2020, to talk about what we're going through, to talk about separation consciousness and unity consciousness and owning our own power and not giving our power away and living in alignment and living in design and how triggers can help us and Basically, I asked her on the podcast to do essentially the solo episodes that she's been doing on her podcast, on my podcast. So you're not going to hear that much from me. This is pure gold from Tina Olson. But before we get into that, I mentioned in this episode, I mentioned a book called Journey of Souls by Michael Newton. And I promise in the episode that I was going to tell you a little bit about it in the intro. So here goes. There's this guy, Michael Newton who is, and I just finished reading this book. He's a psychotherapist and a hypnotherapist, and he takes clients through past life regressions. And in doing so, he kind of stumbled into this discovery that people, when they were in a trance state, could access a super conscious state where they could tap into their lives between lives, essentially their life after death in the spirit world and before they returned to earth in a new life. So he has conversations with, the book is a whole series of transcripts from client sessions talking about the spirit world. That's amazing, I highly recommend it. I think that's all I got to cover before we get into this episode. So just enjoy. And as always, please go forth and be awesome. I love you. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Dina. <laughs> I'm excited we're recording something. I am so glad to be back on your podcast. Thank you. I feel like you're on my podcast every day. <laughs> Luckily for the people who are listening who are not you and me, they're like, oh, phew. that's not actually been the case. <laughs> no, 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 that's not what they're thinking at all. <laughs> Some people might be new to your wisdom and you've, you've evolved so much since the last time you were here. Oh my God. You have owned your design in such a beautiful, inspiring, grounded, powerful way. Thank you. In large part due to, so I really like saying that I'm your hype man and I'm a woman (laughs) and you don't need, you don't need a hype person. Oh, but but I'll accept one. (laughs) (laughs) 
But so I became kind of like an accidental human design coaching client of yours because it wasn't something that you were offering per se. And this was a year and a half ago or whatever. Um, But my soul, after I did the mini reading, when you were just a baby human design reader and now you're full on, um, my soul was like, uh, you're hiring her as a coach. And I was like, what? (laughs) 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 The point of all of that is to say, I cannot like, I feel this way about my work as well in doing theta healing. We talk about this with coaching and also with human design. It it can be so hard to put authentic, grounded, particular words to some of these things because the aspects of life that they touch and the expansiveness that they invite in are so profound that it sounds, we get so over-marketed in everything. Everything from freaking, you know, cereal that's like terrible for you is like, you should eat this, you're going to feel great. Um, All the way to, you know, things that are extremely personal that you might spend a lot of time, money, energy on, like hiring a coach and everything I feel like comes with all this bells and whistles and sparkle. And it can be really hard to discern your way through, like, what is this thing actually going to do for me? Which on a personal level is why I'm so glad that my soul just says, this is for you. Um, and now I'm learning in human design that it's also my sacral, my, my middle of my gut just says a a pretty solid yes or no. Um, but the experience of actually being coached and having a blueprint, i.e. my human design, a North star of this is where we're headed. This is where we're embodied. So it wasn't just me bringing my human material to you and saying, hey, how do I work through this or whatever, which is great. I mean, that's still so much more than most support than most humans are receiving and navigating their lives. But then to have this whole other element made it exponential as far as like, no, there's actually something my soul chose for me. And it is possible for me to live aligned to that every moment of every day. And like human design says, it's an experiment. So no, you don't have to turn your power over at anything, but we're pretty dang sure that when you really start working with these energies and set your sights on, you know, understanding your personality, your profile, understanding your energy types and then understand your gates and your channels and your open centers and your defined centers and yada, 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 like flow happens and magic happens and expansiveness happens. And so you're bought in because of the experience and how dramatically different life is. So, um, I guess the answer is yes, I'm different now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, crap, what question did I ask? Um, well, you just, as you were talking, it reminded me of a bunch of the possible ways we can take this conversation today. And we might just have to do multiple episodes because, you know, I'm in charge. So we, we do what we want. Um, but one of the things we talked about potentially talking about is take, not necessarily taking back your power, although that's taking back your power, maintaining your power, stepping into your power, not giving your power away. 
Embodying These are all slightly different. What was the last one? Embodying your power. Yeah. Ugh, let's just stick with that. Embodying your power. Because yeah. I feel like right now we are all being asked to do just that. Yeah. Whether like a few weeks ago, a time, again, why do I even come up with time things? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a lie every time. I have no idea how long ago this was. It was sometime in the last few months. I really got this clear message that we were all calling back our power from mm. years, maybe from past lifetimes, just bringing it all back to us right now. And then there was also another period where it was just, here is your opportunity. Find all the leaks. Mm-hmm. Find all the places where you're giving your power away and just stop it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> How's that showing up for you? Whew. So, um, we're going to start with a fun one. Um, I had a planter wart on the bottom of my foot, (laughs) which I have not had since childhood swim team. Um, they are just something that love to hang out around pools, (laughs) easy medium to be passed from one person to the next. And When I got this, I was working out at an indoor pool that was the kids' pool at the gym because they kept it at a temperature that felt appropriate to my body. (laughs) And the adult pool was like 10 degrees colder and I stuck a toe in. I was like, hell no. So I find it interesting too because when you talk about taking back your power, like there's probably actually something related to that time in my life too, right? So you and I did some Googling when this happened of because Chinese medicine has a whole map of your entire body on the bottom of your foot. So how cool is it to play like detective? Be like, why is this showing up for me? And we determined that this um, little visitor was sitting on my solar plexus. Well, in... Um, the chakra system, your solar plexus is your personal power. It's your personal sun. It's that bright yellow chakra right in the middle of your body that shines your light in every direction. And I think in our modern capitalist society, it is one of the chakras, one of the places that has been most toxicified (laughs) Mm. nice word i like it um so from a chakra perspective the solar plexus is known as a masculine it's a doing um it's a it's a way of being in the world but a way of being in action right um and so if we think about a lot of the ways we're asked to participate in society, we are told to do certain things, to hustle in certain kinds of ways, to compete. All this stuff is solar plexus energy on the wounded side, or you and I have been using the term uh, separation consciousness quite a bit recently to get out of the, um, kind of not very understandable like dimensions. A lot of people talk about, refer to it as third dimension. Some people call it matrix. But to me and to you as well, 
separation just speaks right to it. It's anything that there's a right and a wrong, a black and a white, a for and against. And when we're living as power is something that you either have or you don't have, or you're either power over or power under, then there's no way to live in an aligned place because you're always jockeying. You're always consciously or subconsciously. There's always a competition to be had. There's always a rope being pulled. There's always a balance beam that's going one way or the other. And so in order for us to rise into unity consciousness, we need to be so clear on our personal sun, on what that thing is that is our embodied power, our personal yeses and nos, our very personal direction in life and purpose. And so I was standing out last night. Um, I actually ran outside at the time of the uh, full moon eclipse uh, because I thought I'd be able to see it from inside of my condo and I couldn't. And part of the reason I was wanting to be inside is it felt safe. It was 4th of July. There were fireworks going out. I live in the city of Chicago. There were so many fireworks going off in every direction. And of course, buildings and, and city living make it echo even more. So kind of hard to tell how close or far. But there was so much smoke filling the air that I was coughing and my throat was dry. Um, and you could see it. And there's this just constant, I don't want to minimize like I spent some time in Croatia and it was really present for me, the atrocities that had gone on in the war in the early and mid nineties. Um, there's still landmines, you know, they have to watch for, there's still buildings that you see that were crumbled. And so I, I don't want to minimize actually living in a war torn place, but if you didn't know, if you were an alien dropped onto earth and you didn't know what this was that was going on, it sounded like we were at war. There's smoke everywhere. There's bangs everywhere. You can see very little of the thing that people do fireworks for, which is the, you know, the bright flash of temporary pretty color, but you could see a lot of the, um, the harm that it causes. The, the noise pollution, think about people's nervous system, think about animals' nervous systems, think about the air we're breathing in, think about how people were talking about at the beginning of the pandemic, how people were talking about how the air was clearer around earth. Like, look at what one night, and this had been gone, this fireworks situation has been going on for weeks here, but last night obviously was a fever pitch. I hope people burst through their supply. Um, and and as that was transpiring, I'm looking at this full moon eclipse. And the thing that was so spectacular about the eclipse is it was extremely subtle. And um, I won't get into the science of it, but the particular type of eclipse, it was going to be subtle. It wasn't going to be like a full on blackout situation. And it almost looked, and I was talking to my mom on the phone who was looking at it from Northern California. And we were describing what we were seeing to each other. And it almost looked like you had double vision, like there were two moons. Um, and there was kind of like the, this halo effect at the top of the moon. And the power of all of it was so magical. And so as I stood 
staring at that and taking and just allowing the transformation from that energy to have its way with me, I was simultaneously extremely aware of all of the blasts going off and the smoke around me and also just being aware of whether or not any cars were, were driving by. And it hit in that moment that that is going to be this bridge that we're living on for, I don't know if it's the next seven year cycle. I don't, I don't, I'm not an astrologer and I don't take guesses about that, but it's going to be some period of time that's probably not terribly short where we have full awareness of two almost seemingly completely different realities at the same time and they are both existing and we have the empowered choice in every single moment which of the two realities we're tuning into and when we choose to tune into the reality of the moon and the power and the beauty of the subtlety and the eclipse it does not mean that we are bypassing the fact that there's smoke in the air that I needed to be out for only a certain period of time because I needed to go get water um, and, be, and, and take care of myself, my very real human vessel. And also the fact that my nervous system is very like loud bangs and I'm alone in a city where, you know, we're not um, gunshots and all that kind of stuff is, is entirely possible. Like, I can be aware that all that's transpiring. I can tune into and focus on the beauty and the magic of the transformation and what's going on in the cosmos that is very real to us. And I can still take action in any such direction that I personally feel called from a place of alignment. But that is no longer from power over or under. That is no longer from the herd telling me what I should or shouldn't post on social media. If I feel compelled to post, I'm going to post. If I feel compelled to not go on for a week, I'm not going to go on for a week. But we have so much of ourselves wrapped up in reactivity to these really big emotions, helplessness, hopelessness, shame, guilt, fear, worry, all of it wrapped around with separation, that if we don't visit those emotions within ourselves and understand what they are, they are going to unconsciously take action in the form of maybe feeling like you have to do something or feeling like if you're not doing something, you should feel guilty or this or that. Those things are vibrations that we chose to experience by coming to earth so that we could learn, but they are not the truth of who we are. The truth of who we are is unity consciousness. Mm. Preach. That was, that was so good. Um, it's Sunday. I thought it was time for a sermon. Yes. Thank you. That's why we needed to do this today. Um, and that's why the eclipse woke me up and said, record with Tina tomorrow. Mm. And so here we are. So in Journey of Souls, which is a book I just finished, it's by Michael Newton. Um, there's maybe I'll in the intro or something, I'll explain more about the book. But anyway, um, they say that shame and guilt, I think are weapons used by humans. They are not used in the spirit world. They are not part of who we really are. Mm -hmm. <sighs> mm -hmm. So that just required a big 
mouth breath from me. Um, let's talk more about unity consciousness. You dropped that term a few times, but what is it? Okay. Before we jump into that, I want to give us the opportunity to transmute and release ourselves from shame and guilt. Are you down? Yes. Okay. Let's do this. So if you are not operating a motor vehicle, that could either be a car or your own vessel. <laughs> and I invite you to close your eyes. If you um, are moving and cannot close your eyes, you'll still receive it. Um, of course. So <clears throat> what I'm going to do is I'm going to first connect us all to the theta brainwave, which is our connection to the operating system of our computers. And it's also our connection to source energy. And so from that place, would you like the vibration and all related programs that tune you into shame and guilt to be removed, transmuted, and sent to the light for your highest and best? Say yes or no. Yes. <laughs> Hmm. And would you like instead the energy from source of unconditional love to fill in all of those places, all of those empty programs that left space and spaciousness in your body and your being to be filled with freedom, joy, creativity, and possibility all through unconditional love. Yes. Then the last thing that we're going to do is any strands that have you connected to any relationships. Now that might be human relationships. It might be relationship to a vibration such as money or time or work. If you would like any cords that are remaining in your being, that connect you to those things through the energies of shame or guilt, cut, removed, released, transmuted, and the spaces in you where those were connected, filled with source energy, say yes. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm, you're welcome. Oh, good. So freeing, so opening. And it's a really good reminder uh, because there's like a guilt and shame on top of guilt and shame around like, well, why was I carrying this around? Or why did so-and-so tell me this or do this to me or whatever? And it's like, that was just programming. That was just their programming. And that was just your programming. And instead of having to understand why, <clears throat> we just get to say no more of this. Mm -hmm. and you get to say not this not this <laughs> not this hell freaking no mm -hmm. so <clears throat> unity consciousness unity consciousness is the place where we're going spirit was actually talking to me as i got out of the shower today knowing that we were going to talk and i was like why are you talking to me now dude <laughs> <laughs> So hopefully I still have the words. Um, 
one of the things they were sharing with me was that we, in the ways humans have envisioned utopia, we don't actually want that now. <clears throat> and the reason is we want to be a part of the process of co-creation. We want to walk there together. We want to know where we came from, how bad shit got. And when I say how bad shit got, that's right now. Shit's really bad right now. <laughs> and yes, I'm putting a value judgment on it. Shit is bad right now. The humans are not all getting along. The humans are not all taking care of themselves and each other. The humans are blaming each other. The humans are avoiding their lessons by judging other people. They're taking these beautiful gifts of triggers that spirit gives us and instead <clears throat> running from them. And then that's playing out in this ripple effect of, I mean, the humans have created ghettos where certain people have to live and certain people have to survive with in a uh, food desert and other humans who think they have access to good food are eating all these chemicals that are terrible for our bodies and the environment. There are microplastics in our fruit, as Kelsey taught me the other day, which holy fucking hell, I knew it was in our water. I knew, I know it's coming out of my clothing every time I wash my clothing and it goes into our water supply. I mean, there are so many ways in which things are really fucked up and in the wrong direction and so not this right now. And I can tell you that's no different from when my actual personal life hit a whole series of holy hell no's. Except for me, what had to wake me up was a holy hell yes walking into my life. And so spirit saying like, the holy hell yes that can be walking into our lives right now is simply hearing people talk about what is truly possible on earth, the harmony and the unity that we all came here for. It looks like taking care of ourselves and one another and the planet and all beings on the planet from a place of love and sustainability and regeneration. That's a creative problem, AKA opportunity. It's a creative, it's a co-creative endeavor. We have plenty of resources on this planet. This planet is freaking amazing. And we are constantly receiving new energy and new resources in so many ways. So instead of being shackled by the limitations that we see that, that have become so obvious in their form right now, how do we get so much more creative from a place of love, from a place of community, from a place of imagine human beings living on earth, genuinely like having intuition and instinct and telepathy as just as much of a communication method as speech. And when you walk by each person, your hearts connect and you just feel that little buzz of, I love you or I care about you or whatever. And you've never, that's a stranger. Think about the small ways in which we experience this. You walk into a grocery store, maybe pre COVID for you, maybe not, maybe you're still doing this, but making eye contact with people 
and smiling in your eyes and that other person maybe hasn't seen someone else's eyeballs and a smile that whole day. We talk about that all the time. It's like knowing that we can have an impact on strangers' days just by asking someone how they're doing or giving them a smile, right? And yet, like, why do we forget that? Why do we, why do we just dismiss that as unimportant? It's extremely important. It's where we're going. So every single time you walk outside and you appreciate a flower, that's putting positive vibrations onto the earth. And imagine what would happen if all of us immediately started doing that. If all of us started being grateful every morning, every evening, throughout the day. If all of us started appreciating oh my gosh, I was on a run today and a squirrel made a flying leap from the ground to the tree and it was so like, <laughs> it was so perfect. That's unity consciousness. That just simply living in the vibration. And so when, when I'm looking at the moon and recognizing, yeah, we have work to do. There's explosives going off all around me and I'm breathing in the smoke and it's not good for everybody. Maybe it's fun for a few, but it's not good for everybody. Um, you're included. Whoever you are that I'm talking to right now, you're included in the everybody that unity consciousness is good for. The everybody in the community. The everybody who deserves to live from a place of knowing that their bodies are taken care of through healthcare, through good food, through clean air, that their minds, their souls, their spirit, their purpose is taken care of through meaningful work, through plenty of rest, through being able to rehabilitate from physical, emotional trauma, grief. Like in some cultures, when someone dies, there's like people constantly come to the house as a matter of course, this isn't just an accidental thing that some people's families might be nice enough to do. It's a, it's a community way of being that everybody knows that someone dies and you come to the house and you bring meals and it's like a certain period of time. Um, and in a way you wish it, that could be years. Maybe it will be because how many times have you known someone who is kind of like, trying to live their normal life a couple months after somebody really, really important to them has died. Grief, that's like, that's just the freeze, the ice starting to melt a little bit from the shock a couple months in. And yet at the same time, like the world around you goes on. Well, what if we understood that actually the second year is harder than the first in a lot of ways because the emotions are actually starting to surface. And that instead of having to feel guilty or ashamed or worried or like you're bringing other people down, that everybody just knew and understood that that's a healthy, normal part of the human process, that our souls care so much that we grieve. It's actually why we have the experience is to grow our souls in love and compassion and depth, that if we don't grieve, our souls actually have a break the way that we call heartbreak in our human world. And so unity consciousness brings us to a place where anytime that separation aspect of self that lived here for a while that needed to explore the contrast to learn, anytime that one starts to 
pipe up. It's like, no, I love you too. You join us. Everybody's involved in this new way of living. Everybody has enough love. Everybody has enough connection. Everybody has joy. Everybody has comfort and safety and education. And these are systems and ways of living that we all incarnated in this time to help create. Because if we didn't want to be an important part of this transition in humanity, we wouldn't be, we'd be one of the souls probably that, that's leaving now or has left recently. And it's not because, so my dad left a couple years ago and it's abundantly clear to me that he left because he had important work to do on the other side in helping my family and a whole bunch of people he loved and who loved him and probably many, many, many beings and things that I don't know about. Like, so people who are transitioning, they're not in a body during this time because they're not meant to build the new way of being in the, on the earth. They're meant to help. Like, think about how much help we have. This is really important. It's really, really important that we get our shit together and rise. And when I say get our shit together, it's like that loving... I'll never forget when I was moving and my mom, I was so overwhelmed about how much shit I had to pack. And my mom is like just the most loving, empathetic person. Normally she'd be the one to come over if I was overwhelmed, just like give me a hug and tell me it was going to be okay. Nope. This time mom said, start at that drawer over there. (laughs) (laughs) And your mom was a kindergarten teacher, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tina, this is exactly, exactly what we all need right now. Your voice. Thank you. So you mentioned triggers as a gift from spirit. We got to explain that. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk to everybody's humans first, because I don't love them any more than the next person on a human level. Uh, Most of the time for me, they bring tears pretty quickly after. And first, I'd like to say the physical experience of triggers is probably a little bit different for everybody, especially depending on how long you've been working with triggers and also with your nervous system, because in essence, boiled down to the simplest form, it's our nervous system perceiving that we're not okay. And... um, that can come in the form of actually we might not be okay. We might be crossing an intersection, a car might not be stopping and something catches our attention to it. And, and that's how we're able to have singular focus and run across the crosswalk before the car gets there or whatever. Um, so a lot of times, especially early on, as you're still reattuning your nervous system and learning that you truly are okay here, you might feel the full on hormonal sensation of like, the middle of the body, it could be like the burning, the tingling, maybe a cold flush. How, I'm curious how, when you get like full on adrenal response triggered, like what that feels like in your body. Mm, Everything. It's all systems on alert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's like instant sweat, goosebumps, um, you know, hair on end. So essentially hackles up. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very, it's a biological response. 
Yeah. Yeah. And during that biological response, we can't cry. It's one of the functions we can't have, right? So it's such a good reminder to us that um, sometimes our biology is wired to a different understanding than our soul, our the rest of our being. There's something that's not... Well, because if we're crying, we can't run away right. from a saber-toothed tiger. Exactly. And on the other hand, a lot of times that people are being triggered, especially right now, uh, we probably have less day-to-day physical safety threats outside. I'll put the virus to the side, but like we're driving our cars less, we're, we're out in public a bit less. Like there's, there's, and at the same time, it's, it's probably a great time to be watching the emotional response. It's still just as physical. It's still just as visceral. But the thing that's tricky about that is then we think we're actually unsafe and we think we're always going to have this physical response to that emotional thing. And so a lot of personal development and growth teaches kind of this ping pong of how that system happens and then how to basically calm yourself back down from it. But I'm like, don't stop there because it's actually possible to realign your nervous system to what is actually just actual threats and allow the emotional stuff to roll through and mine it for its gold. So that's a, for me, at least that's been a process. It's been multifaceted and I won't get into too many details, but it's involved physical, uh, you know, nervous, actual nervous system healing. I find it so fascinating. There's this whole psoas shaking thing that you can do to release trauma. Basically, um, it's trauma held in our body and when similar emotions or similar feelings from when that initial trauma actually happened, it's re-emergent and we're having the same physical response, but we're a totally different person. We're not four years old again, or we're not. And you know, the interesting thing too, is that all the energy that's in the physical body isn't necessarily just from experiences in this lifetime. So epigenetics is a science that explains and has done research and is continuing to make advancements. It's fairly relatively new, but discovering that on people's DNA, trauma is passed down. And they found this first through Holocaust survivors' grandchildren having the trauma markers on their DNA. Well, we can heal that. And when we heal that for ourselves, we heal it for all other generations as well. And so we heal it from back into the quote unquote past and into the future, which is amazing. So when we talk about triggers and something to actively work with, I think the first thing that I would say, instead of giving any particular tools or whatnot, is just if you are a consciously aware that it's happening for you, not to you, that you're actually okay. And in the moment, you know, can breathe through it and, and bring yourself back into a state where you actually can release and cry, or you can shake, or you can dance, or you can get on your bike and move the actual energy. I used to make a promise to spirit. I'd be like, okay, 
let up on this trigger if you don't mind so that I can feel okay again, but I'm promising to you that I'm not going to forget about doing the work on it. Mm. Yes. <laughs> so in other words, I've seen it. I hear you. I'm on it because we, when we get stuck is when we in, end up in this paradigm of trigger happens, kind of barely scrape your way through trigger happens again, barely scrape your way through. Well, what happens to your actual body is that your body starts to just get used to that and you end up hormonally really far off from center. Yeah. And there's also the like modern day life where there are a lot of people who are actually addicted to being in that state mm-hmm. of like high cortisol all the time. Yeah. And, and people actually believe that they're more productive, yeah. which is totally a bill of goods that was sold by capitalism. Um, and now I don't think capitalism's marketing person was smart enough to understand. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's, it's found its way over time. Um, and the plain and simple truth is it's, it, that's just not the case. You are entirely more productive when you are in flow because all of the cooperative components of the universe. And, and if you want to get non-university on this, all the cooperative components of the human world, of the very real doors actually opening, people actually calling you with a job interview or an offer or a client calling or da, 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 all that actually happens when we're in the, the unity consciousness state. Because the universe, your soul, whatever you want to call it, yourself, your own neurons, your own system is saying, not that way. So if you find yourself having to navigate over this hurdle and around that one and over this other one, and maybe that road closure sign was like, hey, just don't go down that road. It's not for you. Your road is wide open. It's clear. It's an inner tube down a really fun river. One way. in flow. So back to the trigger thing, it's the awareness that the trigger is happening for you. And then go do what you're called to do. If you've been curious about Reiki, try Reiki. If you've been curious about, oh, I'd love to learn more about how the body holds on to this. Maybe it's a yoga practice you're going to learn from, or maybe it's a book like the body keeps the score. Like whatever direction it is you find yourself curious in, just go check it out. And if it's the psoas shaking, Tina sent me the video. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put the link you to do that, that video in the show notes. Yeah, because I would have no idea how to find it again. <laughs> It'll, it's actually going to be challenging, but I just committed to it. So anyway, yes. We, we, can, we can do this. We can do hard things. <laughs> So go to where you feel called mm-hmm. once you get that. I love the, hey, spirit, I got you. Can you let up a little bit? Like sometimes the trigger is a total like punch out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I got you. Mm-hmm. Can you just like hold my shoulders and steer me in a different direction gently now? Like I know I'm not going that way anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening very much and I'm trying to connect to myself and I need you to let up a little bit so I can get centered. So I can connect with source and self and mother earth. Yeah. And I think part of it too, is the, the, the fear-based parts of us have the desire 
to either double down or run in the opposite direction. And anytime we find ourselves in a polarity, it's inherently separation. If we see two options, oh, I was here, I'll go there instead, or I see that other thing, there's no way I'm doing that, I'm staying here, then that's the most awesome time to get super curious about what's way more true than these two options. And I think with a lot of what's going on with regard to social justice and racial equality, that's really what we're seeing in this because we actually have black and white. Like it's not subtle that these two things, like here you have, when you have the drawing of yin yang, you have a black portion and a white portion with a white dot in the black and the black dot in the white. And the whole point of it, it's in a one circle. That is the depiction of unity consciousness. It's holding that multiple things are true at the same time, that within those two things, they're in each other and the circle holds the all, right? And so all of this has gotten so mixed up and messed up because as soon as we yell, all cops are bad or all black people are, I don't know, fill in the blank. I'm not even going to attempt to say the shit that, that might go on. We are so far off of the truth of our center, the truth of the balance of the yin yang, that once again, we are at a creative opportunity as to understand how all human beings can come together. All human beings can be treated with love and compassion and all human beings trauma can be addressed because at the birthplace of all of this is mass amounts of trauma done to people who are taken from their land, done to people who are born into a system. I mean, like who quote unquote started all of this? I couldn't even begin to tell you, but what I can almost guarantee is that practically all of it has been passed down from human to human. This is how you do things on any side of the equation. We are the generation that gets to say, stop. We're not looking back anymore for only what's possible being what's behind us because what we need to create in the future is something that humanity hasn't seen yet except maybe in pockets or maybe in lost civilizations that i know very little about <laughs> so i won't even go there but i'll at least honor and acknowledge that pe that there's a belief system around that and instead of blaming each other start blaming the systems, the vibrations, the energies that were never us in the first place and say a holy hell no, not this, to the separation, the guilt, the shame, the power over and power under and start taking care of our own trauma and the trauma in others so that we actually can all start to buy into the fact that it's true that humans can create something entirely new 
in not that much time. So will you talk a little bit about the book you were sharing with me right before you popped out? And I know you're going to do a more extensive podcast episode about this, but just the one little part from less than a hundred years ago. Oh, so I'm reading this book. So stay tuned for an upcoming episode. The book just came out. It's called Fast Girls and it's a um, historical fiction. I always want to say historical nonfiction. That's not a thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's historical fiction by Elise Hooper. All right. So this is about the 1936 women's Olympic track team. And in 1928, there was an Olympic Games in Amsterdam. After that, the IOC said, whoa, no more Olympic, no more women's track. They said women can still compete in aesthetic sports, which included gymnastics and swimming and a few others, but none of this running because there were even like falsified news reports of women collapsing at the end of an 800 meter race. It said that they needed medical care. So obviously it was too dangerous. The IOC's argument was that, um, women would possibly develop larger muscles, broader shoulders, slimmer waists, larger trunks, and would be on, oh, and also sports made them bold, too bold and assertive. And really a woman's only job was to give birth to and raise children. This was in 1930, no, 1928, 1929, 1930, less than a hundred years ago. So we could spend so much time on how holy hell not this that is. We'll just let it speak for itself. But both of our grandparents were alive during that time. And so that, and those are people we knew, right? (laughs) So people who potentially, depending on family relationships, my grandparents had a huge influence on me. Um, and that was the pool water they were swimming in. Um, I'm personally very lucky. I had grandparents who were like rabble rousers (laughs) and relatives who were part of like suffragette movement and stuff. But like a lot of people in this country had grandparents who, who, you know, I mean, you and I are not that old, had grandparents or parents, or maybe at this point, great grandparents who believed that and they weren't wrong or shouldn't be ashamed for believing it. That was what was being put out by the head of the international Olympic committee. Something that I mean, to this day, people like honor and revere the Olympics and Olympians and what they have to say. People make entire careers on personal growth and inspiration and leadership after being an Olympian. Yeah, it was also put out by the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune. This was the collective belief. My, I, I was lucky enough to know my great-grandparents for 12 years. I think 12 years. And so they would have been, I think they were born in like 1900. Yeah. They would, they have, would been, have been in their 20s and 30s at this yeah, time. So, yeah. like, that's like prime they would have exposure. Been yeah. yeah. And that's what my great grandmother was hearing. I don't think she had a desire to be an athlete. I don't know. 
But that's what she would have heard if she did. Right. Right. And so, again, we could spend all day talking about how much not this that is, but look at what's possible in the next hundred years. And also look at how, I, I mean, I love how you talk about not talking about time because you're just like, it makes no sense to me. Time has changed. Like the concept of time has changed, whether we realize it or not. And so what's possible for us in a hundred years? Yeah, but like, it's going to be way sooner than that. Way sooner. Yeah, wait, I want to say something about time. The concept of time has changed. For everyone right now who during the pandemic, during especially when you like really were staying at home, who was like, what day is today? Yeah, that's because time has changed. Because you're no longer totally wed to this specific label of a day that we just throw on, throw on because of a calendar. You're no longer tied to specific like hours that things happen. Mm -hmm. Time has changed. Our understanding of time is evolving. Mm -hmm. It's so much like if you grew up in one climate, like you primarily lived in, in one geographic region and then you move like whether it's so confusing to me on a summer day, if I walk out of like being in an appointment for half an hour and all of a sudden it's overcast and raining, I don't know what season it is anymore because in California, it does not rain between like June to November, some, some generally in that time frame. And so it can't be summer if it's raining. That happens in winter. <laughs> and so I feel like that's what's happened with the concept of time. Like we all took something at, as a given and it was just the way we were all experiencing it. And we we're all playing by kind of the same rules. Nobody or relatively few people were openly questioning it. And now all of a sudden, no one can figure it out. Because it's and, not real. Right. And it never was. Exactly. Um, to, earlier today, we were talking about, well, we finally gave a label, which may or may not stick, mm -hmm. to the in-between, the in-between separation consciousness and unity consciousness. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about what that looks like? Yes. I actually really like the label. Ooh, okay, we can um, stick with it. <laughs> so Kelsey suggested the word martyr consciousness, and I love that. Um, so if you have an inclination towards talking about these things in dimensionality, people tend to talk about it 3D, 4D, 5D. And basically what I've heard is that 3D is like solely focused on the physical world, not much understanding that there's anything else out there going on. Fantastic. I can tell you exactly how many years I lived <laughs> in solely 3D. And then the 4D would be awakening to spirit, existing, but then having a lot of really understandable questions like, well, how is it even possible that I could trust or have faith in this unseen world if um, all this other stuff is happening? So if there is, if source energy is unconditional love, 
how did my child die of cancer? Like, of course, those would make anybody question. And then 5D was, is often talked about as the, the unification, the coming together of all that understanding. So no longer do you see it as either there could be sources, unconditional love or horrible things could happen. You understand that kind of it's all part of this growing up that we're doing this grand earthly human experiment that, that we're all participating in for soul growth and I don't, planetary evolution. I, I don't even know growing universal consciousness. I have no idea um, all of the ways in which it ripples out. But I, so Kelsey and I started saying, you know, I just don't love this like 3d 40, like it just, this whole D thing. Like we're not even sure that that's a thing. Let's just call it something that's more tangible. So that's, and I mean, we're not the first people to call it separation and unity, but then the in-between the martyr is so perfect because what happens to a lot of people when they've awakened to a spiritual understanding of things and, and truths around that is they often forsake themselves, their human body, their physical experience, whether that's in full on, there's something called spiritual bypassing, which is kind of like full on dis dismissing someone's horrible experience. Like, like if I were the mom of that two-year-old who died of cancer and I called you and said, oh my God, my child died. And your response was, well, that was its soul's plan. Then that would be spiritually bypassing. It's not the time or the place. I might come to that over time, the belief and the and the making peace with it, that it was all a part of that everybody involved as a co-creative element. That's fantastic. And the real human in that moment who's completely traumatized needs a real human compassionate response. And that's only possible to hold both those things as true in this unity consciousness perspective. So with the martyr energy, what starts to happen a lot of times is people start forsaking their themselves, their own physical bodily experience. I can tell you, I totally did. Like in the needing to heal all the emotions, in the needing to reconnect with spirit and my soul, like going through a time where I didn't know how to take care of my body. It, it felt like I was so kind of disconnected from all of it. And then it could also look in the form of like, oh, there's discomfort or disharmony between two people. Well, I can be the quote unquote bigger person because I can see the pain that they're in that caused them to say this thing to me. So I'm going to respond compassionately, which is lovely. Only if you're also holding your own pain just as lovingly. And a lot of times what ends up happening in the martyr consciousness is that in order to get rid of that icky energy and the pain that's within you from this, this hot potato that was tossed, and you can see it's coming from somebody else's wound or pain, but you caught the hot potato and you decided you were just going to hold on to it and let it burn your hand instead of putting it down, reaching out to somebody and saying like, hey, I'm hurting right now. This really sucked. And maybe later you decide you're going to respond to the other person compassionately, or maybe you decide you don't really have a response because it's not your responsibility to take care 
of whether or not they're okay. And hopefully in that, when we're standing in a place of unity consciousness, what we see is that the other person is inherently already empowered. They made an empowered decision to toss that pain at you, consciously or not. But if we immediately go make it okay, they don't get the opportunity to sit in what it feels like to toss a icky hot potato at somebody. And I know for me, a lot of times, the, the big self-feedback of that of like, oh crap, I just tossed that thing at someone and they did not deserve it. Or that came from a place of a lot of pain and I should have just sat with the pain instead of trying to toss it somewhere else then they don't get the opportunity to actually have the soul lesson in it and the growth because you've immediately gone and it's kind of like all of us treating other humans whose wounds are kind of lashing out at us like they're our three or four year old and we're the mom or the dad and three or four year olds throw to my understanding throw temper tantrums they might hit they might bite they might punch they might scream and the parent's job is to lovingly hold them in a space and say, you're okay. And to kind of bypass the fact that it actually does physically hurt momentarily. You can tell the kid later, by the way, don't punch me or whatever. But like the mom or the dad's job is just to like holdingly love the, holdingly, lovingly hold the kid until they work through the thing they're needing to work through or letting lovingly letting the kid have space to throw out the temper tantrum, whatever that is. But there's a very, it's kind of a one-way street in raising a toddler. It's your child. You are the adult. And the child is learning how to engage with their emotions and their experience of being in this physical body, in this human world, and these big energies. That's not true about us and other adults. They are an empowered adult too. And they don't get to behave at us as if they are our toddler. And yet I think it's really, really common in our society as a whole that there are a lot of really large toddlers walking around taking their shit, playing their dramas out on other humans. And if you're somebody who's done your work and is doing your growth and is here to be a light worker or a way shower or standing in your purpose, no matter what that purpose is, we need you in your light. And if you're managing all the adult toddlers around you, not only is their growth stunted, but we don't get your light. And so it's actually kind of like a lose-lose in that martyr, you know, half step in between separation and unity. And there's no blame there because it does feel like an evolutionary step, but evolution can only take place when we transcend and include our prior stages. And so as we grow into unity, we, we can then stand there with the bright light shining and saying, within ourselves. I'm sorry I triggered you. I'm sending you a ton of love, sending your soul so much love, sending you so much support. And like, if my light and my alignment triggered you, and I know that I did not harm you or do anything wrong, I didn't 
lash out at you. I didn't toss a hot potato at you. I was just, I am just being me, sharing my work, sharing my light, sharing my opinion, sharing my voice. Then we need you to keep sharing your voice and sharing your light and sharing your work and let the toddlers have the opportunity to grow up so that we can all live in unity consciousness together. I love you. I love you too. And I'm so grateful you grows up. (laughs) Just this whole conversation, which hasn't really been a conversation. It's been like, Tina, preach. No, this is what I wanted. I basically was like, come do a solo episode on my podcast, please. (laughs) This is perfect. I think I think it's time to wrap it up because people are going to need to rep- listen to this episode multiple times probably to just truly embody all of your wisdom. So obviously we'll have to do more. But in the meantime, where can people find you? Oh, um, well, they can find me at tinamariaolson.com, O-L-S-E-N, <laughs> and on the Not This podcast, which you can find by searching Not This with an exclamation point. Kelsey and I have a fun episode where we're talking about her human design journey and I do solo episodes every other week. And then I talk in conversation with people who are helping us figure out our way into unity consciousness. You guys, this podcast, it's only like 10 weeks old or something like that. It is, oh, it is so good. I am so um, snobby. I guess about what I put in my ears, especially first thing in the morning and the not this podcast makes the cut Mm. every time. Thank you so much for using your open throat center to bring (laughs) such light and wisdom and love to the world. You're welcome. And can we just do like two seconds on the open throat center trigger? Yeah. Yes. So Kelsey, this was when Kelsey was continuing to learn even more about human design. And um, she informs me that I'm not meant to tell personal stories. Now, I think small vignettes are okay for orientation because <laughs> I am human. I do exist. <laughs> but that my open throat means that I'm here to share wisdom and the wisdom comes through. So you even said your wisdom earlier. It's not mine. Mm -mm. It's channeled from spirit and the universe. And I just get to be the loving vessel uh, moving my mouth. And so I was triggered to no end when you told me this, I was walking through whole foods. I was like, I didn't know it was like one of those triggers that was so deep that like, I didn't know how to exist in those moments. I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with my future? How am I ever going to do my work if I'm not meant to, you know, share stories and thank God that I had been on the triggers or your friend journey for quite a number of years. And thank God that I had Kelsey Um, because we walked through it and I forget what old energy, just like at the beginning of this conversation, when I did the, the quick theta healing and took you guys into theta and 
asked if you wanted the guilt and the shame released and all that, you can do that. Um, I have meditations on my website that can put you in theta and then you can do your own. Um, you are completely empowered in any moment to connect to the light and hand stuff over. Spirit loves it. Think about it as giving an organic farmer a big old load of compost that he or she can use to grow the most abundant, beautiful veggies and fruit. And so we worked through it and now I get to share wisdom in this way. But if I had let that trigger tell me or fool me into believing that I wasn't supposed to do the work in the world that I thought I was supposed to do and didn't get curious about it, I wouldn't be, my website wouldn't be, my podcast wouldn't be, my online courses wouldn't be, what the continued creation wouldn't be. So thank you, Kelsey, for being a badass at human design and coaching. And if you take away nothing else from this, it's just like become BFFs with your triggers. And you don't, you can do it alone. You're empowered to do it alone. And you don't have to. That's the whole reason there are people like Kelsey and I who train to become coaches and healers and intuitives in order to support you through, because this shit can be terrifying. Your nervous system is telling you that it's actually terrifying, that there's an actual huge problem. And there's not, there's a huge gift. We just have to move the energy of the problem first. Mm. Yes. And if you guys want an example of what this, what Tina's open throat feels like, it's an energy thing. Like when you just, when you listen to her podcast and just listening to her today, just, isn't it magic that it just comes out of her mouth? Doesn't the energy just feel so good to you? It's the same on her website, the same in her courses, the same in her super powerful meditations, the same in her podcast. Magic. Magic is what happens when you're in alignment. And I love it. And we want all humans to be in alignment because we we're 7.5 billion pieces of one human. Mm -hmm. And we and all need each other. That's unity consciousness. That's coming in, seeing that every puzzle piece is unique, completely unique, and that we all fit together. And together we create this brilliant, shiny, sparkly whole. And we want and need each other. Yes. So come play with us. Yeah, we've actually got an offer for, it's a human design upgrade. It's a human design session plus uh, healing with Tina. It's on both of our websites. Go check it out. Maybe I'll tell you more about it in the outro. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see if I remember. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you're welcome. All right, that's it. Isn't she incredible? Aren't I the luckiest that I get to just play with this woman on a daily basis? I, I think I am. I am so incredibly grateful for everything she brings to my life. And I am so incredibly grateful that she shared so much of her wisdom and spirit's wisdom and her connection to spirit and her total aligned being with you all today. 
go back and listen again and again and again, because you're going to hear new things each time. Or don't, if you're like me and don't really like reruns. That's totally cool. Instead, come on over and play with us. Right now, we've got an upgraded human design session, which is really just back-to-back sessions. So you get a human design reading with me, and then a session of downloads and healing from Tina. And you can get that on my website, go to kelseyabbott.com slash human design, or just poke around on my website and click on the work with me tab. Those are the same places. You will get to the same place. You know, that's all I got for you all today. You are a wonderful human, whoever you are. I'm so glad you're here. Always. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being bright and shiny and sparkly and real. And thank you for living with your heart wide open. Please continue to go forth and be awesome.